Welcome to the Go Forth and Golf Podcast, where you can listen to everything related to the game of golf. Golf tips to help you improve your golf game, entertaining interviews, discussions about the latest in golf equipment, and so much more. Now, here is your host, PGA professional, Steve Goforth. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Go Forth and Golf. I am your host, Steve Goforth, PGA professional at Willow Creek Golf Club. Speaking of Willow Creek Golf Club, man, do our greens look fantastic. I'm not just saying that because I work there. I'm dead serious. Our greens look really, really good. If you have not experienced our new Tiff Eagle greens that we put in last year, you are missing out. Kyle Trainum and his staff do a phenomenal job of keeping those greens looking superb and also the rest of the golf course looking great. We got some new pro shop items getting ready to come into the golf shop here soon. Fall is almost upon us, and so we have our winter apparel making its way to the golf shop. Visit our grill. We got fantastic food and beverages. Debbie and her staff also do a fantastic job. So we got a great crew at Willow Creek. Come out and see us. Call us to make a tea time or go to our website at willow-creekgolf.com. Again, that's willow or a hyphen creekgolf.com to book your tea time. If you have not done so already, subscribe to this podcast. That way you'll get alerts as to when new episodes drop. So whatever platform you're listening on, subscribe. That's greatly appreciated. And be sure to visit my website. It's goforthgolfinstruction.com. Again, goforthgolfinstruction.com. On there you can see lesson rates. You can read a little bit about my teaching philosophy. And you can also contact me through the website. If you are interested in setting up a lesson, I would love to work with you. This episode, I'm bringing you some really good information again about the rules of golf. This is part four of that five-part series that I've been doing. This month, I'm talking about the rules of golf and how they pertain to general areas, which is going to be your fairway and your rough. A lot of great rules I'm going to cover. Again, the same way I've been doing with scenarios that kind of help you relate to the rules a little bit easier and making it a little more entertaining for you. I'm also really excited to bring you the common mistakes that you see at a golf course. You cannot miss this section of the show. I'm going to talk about several things that I've seen not only at our golf course, but at other golf courses as well. Again, really common mistakes that take place at the golf course that you do not want to miss. It's a great segment. And then finally, I've got my interview that I did with the Director of Operations at Top Golf here in Greenville, South Carolina. Mr. Raul Emil, Raul and I have a great conversation about the behind-the-scenes stuff that takes place at Top Golf and what it takes to run that magnificent facility that they have there. So you don't want to miss out on that as well. So without further ado, let's tee it up. Oh, he got all of that one. This is part four of a five-part series on the rules of golf. Again, I hope you guys are enjoying the rules of golf and how I'm explaining them to you. I hope you're learning something. And most importantly, when you get to the golf course, I hope it's helping you and making you feel more comfortable when you're out there if you do run into a rules infraction, whether it's yourself or the person that you're playing with. I encourage you to go back and listen to the three previous installments of the rules of golf if you haven't had a chance to do so. Again, this is part four. I've got one more part for next episode. And I will have a very special guest on episode five. Dillard Pruitt, who is a PGA rules official, will be my guest for episode nine 
where I conclude my five-part series of the Rules of Golf. Cannot wait to talk to Dillard and get his feedback and get his stories about what it's like to be a rules official on the PGA Tour. So you don't want to miss that episode. Again, dropping next month in October, Dillard Pruitt will be my guest, PGA Rules Official. Don't miss it. So let's jump right in to the rules of golf. This time, I'm going to talk about how they pertain to general areas, such as the fairways and the rough. Threes go first. You hit your second shot up to the green, and unfortunately, it rolls into a puddle of water. Maybe this puddle of water was caused because the sprinkler around the green was running that morning, and it created a small puddle next to the green. Your ball's in it. What are you supposed to do if your ball is lying in what we call temporary water? What are your options? First of all, if your ball is in what the rules of golf call temporary water, you may play your ball as it lies if you want, or you get to take free relief. So my suggestion there would definitely be to take free relief. Now you can take the free relief by finding the nearest point of complete relief where you are clear of that puddle and then drop your original ball or another ball away from that puddle within one club length of that point not near the hole so you want to reference rule 16.1b on that you may also take the relief from the puddle of water if your ball is in a bunker or on the putting green and you want to see rule 16.1c for the bunker or rule 16.1d for the putting green but you do not get relief from the puddle if you're inside a penalty area so please remember that so temporary relief, if it's in the fairway, if it's in the rough, if it's in a bunker, if it's on the putting green, but not in the penalty area, take that free relief. I mean, unless you think it's a situation where it's not too bad and you can hit out of it and you feel like doing that, certainly you have that option, but better chance is take the relief, one club length, no nearer the hole because it's free. If your ball sliced on you a little bit off the tee box, going towards the out-of-bound stakes, and it stops right beside it, but inbounds, but the out-of-bound stake is interfering with your swing. Can you remove an out-of-bound stake in order to take your golf shot? The answer to that question is no. Objects marking the course boundaries may not be moved. If you do move one of these out-of-bound stakes before you play, and doing so makes your next stroke easier in any way, you must put it back before you make a stroke. If you don't, You'll lose the hole in match play, or you'll get a two-stroke penalty in stroke play. And you want to see rule 8.1a and 8.1c on that ruling. So, again, you may not remove an out-of-bound stake to improve your shot. You hit your second shot into the green. It comes up just a little bit short. You walk up there, and you notice that your ball is stuck in the ground, or it's embedded into the ground. What are your options? Well, you may play the ball as it lies, or you may take free relief by dropping the ball within one club length of the spot right behind where the ball is embedded. You want to reference rule 16.3b on this ruling. Now, this applies in all general areas. General areas mean fairways and rough, which is what I'm covering in the rules in this episode. It used to be called through the green. Now, a new rule was adopted last year that a local rule could be implemented where you can still get relief if it's in the rough. 
So I like that. I think that's fair. I think that if the ball is embedded, that's against normal playing conditions. And so you should not be penalized if your ball is embedded or it's stuck into wet or soft ground. That should not be considered, in my opinion, uh, part of the normal challenge of playing the golf course. So I love that. I love the fact that it was changed. So again, if your ball is embedded, whether it's in the rough, whether it's in the fairway, you can take free relief by dropping it within one club length behind where it was embedded. And again, you want to reference rule 16.3b on that ruling. Your ball comes to rest in a ground under repair area. What are your options? First of all, let me define a ground under repair area. Generally, a ground under repair is going to be identified by the superintendent or by the golf professional as an area that is clearly that, under repair, or something they feel is unsuitable for play. Generally, that area is going to be marked with white paint or with certain stakes around that area. And it's implemented not only just to be fair to the golfer, but also to protect that area because it needs to heal from being repaired. Maybe they dug up a sprinkler head and need the grass to grow back, whatever the case may be. It's there to protect that surface, and it's there to protect the golfer from having to hit out of that area or be penalized. So what do you do? It's in that area. You may either play the ball as it lies. I don't suggest doing that because, again, it's ground under repair for a particular reason. Or take free relief. It's free. Take the relief. To take the relief, you must find the nearest point of complete relief from that ground under repair and drop your original ball or another ball away from that area within one club length of that point, no near the hole. So again, one club length relief is free, no near the hole from that ground under repair area. And you want to reference rule 16.1 on relief for your golf ball in that ground under repair area. Your golf ball trickles into the woods and it nestles up against a root. What are your options? Now, I'm using this example because this happens a lot. There are a lot of golfers out there that feel that there should be a root rule in effect. And that's silly in my opinion. The roots, how many roots are on a golf course? That's why the unplayable ball rule is in effect in the rules of golf. So if you think you cannot play that, if you don't feel comfortable playing that ball against the root because you feel like you may damage your hand or you may damage your golf club, you can take the unplayable lie option for one penalty stroke. And you want to see rule 19.2. By doing this, this will give you three options on where you may drop your ball away from that root where it came to rest. Number one, you may play the ball at the spot of your previous stroke. You want to see rule 19.2a. Number two, you may take the ball back on a line of relief you want to see rule 19.2b or option three you may drop the ball within two club lengths of that area not near the hole than where your ball came to rest on that route and you want to see rule 19.2c so again ball comes to rest on a route or maybe any other area that you feel is unsafe or unplayable you do have the option to take the unplayable lie rule and those are your three options Your ball comes to rest and it's being interfered with by either the cart path or a sprinkler head or maybe it's just an artificial object which is considered an immovable obstruction. What are your options in that situation? you got a couple options. You can either play the ball as it lies or you can take free relief. To take the relief, you must find the nearest point of complete relief from that artificial object or immovable obstruction 
and drop your original ball or another ball away from that immovable obstruction and within one clump length of that point, not near the hole. And you want to reference rule 16.1. So again, sprinkler head, cart path, artificial object, or immovable obstruction, you can take free relief within one club length or try to play it as it lies. You can't find your golf ball after searching for three minutes. What are your options? I'm going to repeat that. Three minutes. It used to be five minutes. It's now three minutes. What are your options? So if you can't find your ball within that three minutes, it's considered lost. Because it's lost, you may return to the spot of your previous stroke and play another ball from there for that one penalty stroke. You want to reference rule 18.2b. Let me take this opportunity to expand on that just a little bit. If you happen to be playing at a golf course that is bordered by homes, by houses, don't go look for your lost golf ball in somebody's yard. We have a lot of houses around Willow Creek, and we see this all the time. People are disrespectful. They think that if their golf ball went into somebody's property, it's fair game. They can just walk up there and trample through somebody's yard and bushes and try to find that precious golf ball of theirs that's really you know, not worth trespassing on somebody's property. So whether you're playing Willow Creek or whether you're playing any golf course that has a house on it, please don't go into someone's yard looking for your golf ball. That's not golf course property. That's their personal property, and you are not allowed there. So don't go look for a lost ball and disrespect someone's privacy and property just because they live on a golf course. And some people say, well, you know, don't live on a golf course if you don't want somebody walking through your property. That's not the case. That's still considered their property. Your ball is lost. You hit it over there. It now belongs to them. And I tell people, if you're gone, if you see it, fine. I would not go get it if I see it. If my ball retriever can't reach it, if I had one, or if my club can't reach it, I'm leaving it there. I thought I'd take that opportunity to educate people on houses that are around golf course property. Doesn't mean you can walk over there and search for your golf ball if you feel it's lost. So going back to the original ruling again, three minutes. If it's lost, go back to the original spot, play near the ball for one penalty stroke. So again, please don't take more than three minutes looking for your golf ball. Don't walk to the edge of the woods or the creek bed with your ball retriever trying to find golf balls and holding up play behind you. It's one thing if you got the golf course to yourself or if nobody's behind you waiting and your playing partners don't mind waiting on you, just don't do that when you've got people behind you because it's going to greatly disrupt pace of play. That concludes part four of the rules of golf and how it pertains to fairways and rough, which again is referred to as the general area of a golf course. As always, I hope this helps you when you get out on the golf course, helps you make better decisions, or it can help assist you with your playing partners and helping them to make a better decision. Don't forget the last installment of this five-part series will be next month in October, and I will have Dillard Pruitt, PGA Rules official, as my guest on that show to talk about the rules of golf a little bit more and also talk about his tremendous experiences as a rules official on the PGA Tour. So you don't want to miss it. Make sure you check that out. Ladies and gentlemen, listen up. If you want to take control of your health and feel so much better, I encourage you to check out Pure on Main. They have two locations on Main Street in downtown Greenville across from the Hyatt and another location on Main Street in Simpsonville. 
Pure On Main provides you with essential services and products allowing you to live a healthier, more fulfilling life. Pure All Main is also one of the most exclusive and unique health and wellness centers in the upstate. They have been nominated as one of Greenville's best wellness centers for four consecutive years. Betsy and her staff provide services such as colon hydrotherapy, massage therapy, ionic foot detox, and wellness consulting. They also have a store filled with beneficial items for your body and soul. Pure All Main is dedicated to helping and serving their community. Please give them a call and let them recommend the best products to help keep you and your family healthy. I get all of my wellness supplements from them and I feel amazing. Visit their website at pureonmain.com. Again, that's pureonmain.com where you can purchase their phenomenal products to be shipped for free. Yeah, you heard me right. Free right to your door or picked up at their downtown Greenville location. So what are you waiting for? Start living healthier and pure with the help of Pure on Maine. You won't regret it. All right, for the next couple of episodes, starting with this one, I'm going to be bringing you the most common mistakes made at a golf course. Now, before I jump into this, let me tell you, I don't want to come off the wrong way with this, all right? There's going to be a few things that are going to sound a little harsh, a little stern, but there are things that you need to know. There's things that are important that I think some people are very well aware of, and you're going to hear it and be like, oh, thank God he's talking about that. And some of you are going to be like, who's this guy think he is telling me this kind of stuff? But I'm telling you, these are things that happen quite often, not just at our golf course at Willow Creek, but at many, many other golf courses throughout the area, throughout the country, throughout the world. And again, it's really important stuff that you need to hear. Don't take anything I'm about to say personally. But take it to heart. I want you to understand what I'm about to tell you on all this stuff. And if you are guilty of doing some of these things, I really want you to take a long, hard look at how you're approaching the game and how it's not only affecting your game, but how it's affecting everyone else's game as well. How it's affecting the golf facility that you're at. So again, this is going to be a two-part series, if you will, starting with this episode, and I'll bring you some more interesting common mistakes on episode number nine, which will drop in October. So listen up, get ready to take some notes, because here we go. Well, we're waiting. The first one I want to talk about, and this one happens more than you can possibly imagine, and that is being late for your tea time. So let me explain something. When you make a tee time at a golf course, say your tee time is 12 o'clock noon. When you make that tee time, everyone has to understand that that is the time that you're supposed to be teeing the ball in the ground, not the time you're supposed to be checking in at the golf shop. We see this happen a lot. We try to give friendly reminders to golfers when they come in. Hey guys, you're five minutes out from your tee time. We got to get you moving. There's other groups behind you that are waiting. Just as a friendly reminder, you got to be teeing it in the ground at this tee time, not checking in at the golf shop. So we try to educate people the best we can on this, but sometimes it seems to go in one ear and out the other. Please understand that when you are late for your tee time, you're not just affecting the golf facility and the schedule that they're on, 
but you're affecting everybody behind you. And some people have the impression of, well, just let the other groups go ahead of us and just squeeze us in where they would have been. It's not quite that simple. We understand that, you know, there's going to be traffic issues. You're going to be late leaving your house for whatever reason. We get it. That happens. But do the courteous thing. If you're going to be late for your tea time, give the golf course a call and just let them know, hey, this is the Smith tea time at noon and we're running a little bit behind. Just want to give you a heads up before we get there. And uh, this is the courteous thing to do. That way the golf course will know how to strategize and maybe move some groups around in order to accommodate a late tee time. The rule of thumb is you want to try to arrive to the golf course at least 30 minutes prior to your tee time. This gives you a chance to get in the golf shop and check in, get your golf cart, get your clubs loaded up on it, maybe get you something to drink, go to the putting green and putt a few, go to the driving range. You're giving yourself plenty of time to get ready for your round of golf so that you don't feel rushed and maybe you have one of the best rounds you've ever shot because you weren't rushing around. You were taking your time and it's going to make your round a lot more enjoyable. Understanding the proper attire you're supposed to be wearing to the golf course is also important. It's a good idea to give the golf course a call and find out what their dress code may be. And let me define dress code in golf. It's really just to remind golfers about the etiquette of the game, uh, the traditions of the game, and keeping amateur golfers adhering to that tradition and carrying that on. But it also involves respect of the game, and etiquette is a huge part of the game. So please make sure you call the golf course. If you're not sure, call the golf course ask what their dress code is. At Willow Creek, for example, we require collared shirts. We do allow mock turtlenecks, or if you call it turtleneck anymore, a mock neck, and no blue jeans. And you usually don't have to worry about that in the summertime, but in the wintertime we run into that. So no denim is an easier way of looking at that, and a collared or mock shirt is also appropriate. It's very uncomfortable to call someone out on that whenever they show up with a t-shirt on or, or blue jean shorts or whatever they're wearing that's not adhering to the etiquette or the dress code. And that's the last thing we want to do. The last thing I want to do is walk up to somebody and say, sir, uh, do you have a collared shirt on you? And it's just uncomfortable for both of us. So make sure you find out what that dress code is so that you avoid all of that. We do try to accommodate golfers that show up in a t-shirt uh, by providing them a collared shirt that we have. We keep them washed, of course, after someone uses them. And we keep them in the back so that uh, they can at least go out there and, and adhere to the, the rules of dress code or, of course, they have the option of buying a shirt in the golf shop. So we try to work with people the best we can. But again, it's just an uncomfortable situation. Each golf course may be different, but that is pretty traditional for most golf courses, especially your private clubs that really enforce dress code. So please make sure you call the golf course, find out what their dress code is, and be respectful of that dress code. When you set up your tee time with the golf course, you need to be okay with the fact that you're going to get paired up if you are anything less than a foursome. We get a lot of groups, and I've heard this again from multiple other golf courses, where groups come in as a twosome and they want to play by themselves. We get that. We understand that. It's a husband-wife. It's a father-son. It's a father-daughter. It's a mother and son. They want to just enjoy their time together and not have to share that with anyone else. Completely understand that. I've played 
rounds of golf with my son or play rounds of golf with my dad. And yeah, it's, it's sometimes better when it's just the two of you. But you need to make sure that you do that in a time frame or during a time that is less busy. Because a golf course's inventory is four players to a tee time. So that's the goal of a golf course is to get four players out. That's the inventory. It's sort of like seats on an airplane. An airline is going to try to sell as many seats as they can to get someone from one destination to the next. And again, same thing goes for a busing agency. They're going to try to sell as many seats as they can to get people to their destination. Golf courses are the same way. They're going to try to sell as many tee times as they can to accommodate as many people as they can to get out there and enjoy the game of golf. So if you're less than four players, you need to be comfortable pairing up with someone and not get angry at a golf course because they had you paired up and didn't tell you about it before you got there. That's a given rule in golf is that anyone less than four will be paired up, especially twosomes and singles. When you call and make your tee time, specify the exact number of players that you have. And if you have a change in that, make sure you call the golf course and let them know. That's another thing that we'll see. Someone will book a tee time for four players and they show up with two. Oh, my buddy's backed out on us last night. We understand that. That happens. But call the golf course and let them know that there's a change there so maybe two other guys could get paired with you. That's also a pace of play thing. Because if you're out there as a twosome, you're out there as a single, and you're amongst foursomes, your pace of play is going to be really slow. It's going to be a miserable round for you, possibly. You're going to be waiting a lot. So it's always best to get you paired up and get a foursome out there because it helps with the pace of play on the golf course so much, more than you can possibly understand. Remember, this is a social game. This is a chance for you to meet new people. This is a chance for you to enjoy this wonderful game we call golf with so many people. And that's what makes a game unique. So don't be scared to be paired up with someone that you may not know. Maybe you're not a good golfer or you think you're not a good golfer. You're a beginner golfer and you're embarrassed to be paired up with someone. That's okay. Most people are going to be understanding of that because they were in your shoes at one time as well learning the game. If you want to play by yourself, if you want to play as a twosome, I would advise you to go to the golf course late in the afternoon when tee times are a little more open. And usually golf courses can accommodate you a little bit better as opposed to a weekend or weekday morning when it's the busiest. Again, reserve that tee time for the amount of players that you're going to be bringing to the golf course. Call the golf course if there's a change in that number. And learn to be comfortable and more patient with the fact that you're going to be paired up with other groups if you're less than four players. Is it you or is it me? Are you sure about that? I think you're furthest away. What club should I be hitting right now? What's this hole do? What's the yardage here on this shot? Meanwhile, paint's drying. And the people behind you are doing everything they can to subside their raging fury because you are not going at a good pace of play and you are not playing ready golf. So forget the honor and hit the ball when you're ready. Playing ready golf is becoming a bigger trend now amongst amateur golfers. If you're ready, nobody's in your way, the green is clear, the fairway is clear, go ahead and hit that golf shot so that the next person can come up there and hit theirs and keep things moving. Ready golf is something that every group needs to start practicing because 
pace of play is the biggest deterrent to a good, enjoyable round of golf. Pace of play is something we battle all the time at our golf course and that we are really conscientious of and we try to improve on a daily basis. Playing ready golf will help with the pace of play and not only make your round more enjoyable, but everyone's round behind you. So please, I'm begging you, work on playing ready golf and help improve the pace of play on the golf course. Complaining about your golf game is a deeply unattractive trait. If you keep that up, you're soon going to be the only one left to whine to, I can promise you, because your playing partners are going to bail on you. Save those post-round blues on the car ride home. Talk to yourself on the way home and complain to yourself about how bad your round of golf was. Or maybe go talk to a therapist or maybe your family dog. No one wants to hear you complain about your golf game. If your golf game, everybody struggles with their golf game. Everybody has a bad day. If you're constantly complaining about your golf game to people, no one is going to want to play with you anymore, and you're going to get kicked out of your golf group. So please, be more conscientious about being positive, not being so pessimistic about your golf game. Everyone else is struggling with their own things in their golf game. They don't want to hear about yours unless they ask you what's wrong with your game, unless they come to you and say, hey, talk to me about your struggles. Don't voluntarily tell them about what's going wrong in your golf game because more than likely, they're not going to care unless they ask. Now, if you're one of my students, I want to hear that. So don't misunderstand me. If you're taking lessons from me, I need to know what's going wrong in your golf game. I'm your therapist to a certain degree that I referred to earlier. So students, please at all times know that you can come talk to me about your golf game and the troubles of your golf game. But what I'm referring to is don't go talk to your playing partners about it. They're the ones that will get turned off by your pessimism. Be more positive. Focus on the things that went well when you're around your golf buddies because that's going to make your life and theirs a whole lot more enjoyable. Karma on the golf course can be a son of a gun. If you don't replace the divots, if you don't fix your ball marks, if you don't rake those bunkers, karma is going to bite you in the rear end. Your disrespect will end up costing you in the end. If you don't care about other golfers, they may not care about you. Treat the world and the golf course with love and care. And your world and your golf course will greet you in kind, I promise you. You're going to get those lucky bounces on a golf course. You're going to get those putts that fall in that you did not think you were going to make. Those good things happen to those that do good things. Taking care of the golf course is so important. Taking care of the golf course shows respect and honor and integrity. All those things. So please, leave the golf course in better shape than you found it. You cannot go wrong with that. When golfers make their way to the putting green, they instinctively just drop a ball down and start putting from one hole to another at distances that range anywhere from 15 feet up to 40 feet. I'm here to tell you that you need to be doing most of your practicing anywhere from 4 feet out to 10 feet. It's a really good idea to make a circle around your hole that can range anywhere from that 4 to 10 foot range because these distances is where you're going to have a really good chance of making that birdie. 
Also, if you chip up to the green, this is where many of your chips will stop and where you need to practice those tough putts to save par. So when you go to the putting green, practice at a distance that's more realistic, that you're going to have those putts that are going to save you for par or possibly give you birdie. Don't just randomly walk up to the green and start putting at all these crazy distances because more than likely that's not going to help you. Certainly need to make a few of those putts because that's going to help you determine the speed of the green on long putts, but don't spend a lot of time on them. The money putts are going to be inside 10 feet, I promise you. That concludes this segment on the most common mistakes I see happening at the golf course or that I hear that are happening at other golf courses as well. I'll be back next episode, again, episode 9, with more of those common mistakes made at the golf course. I've given you a lot of stuff to think about. I hope that this is going to help you. I hope that this hits home with you, and this will not only make you a better golfer, but also make your round of golf more enjoyable and also make everyone's round of golf around you a lot more enjoyable. Just please think about other people out there. Think about other people that are affected by your actions and think about the things you're doing on the golf course that may be affecting the progress of your game. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this segment and I look forward to hearing your feedback. Doing the bull dance. Feeling the flow. Working it. Working it. It's now time for the interview section of the show, and I'm really proud to have as my guest on this episode, Raul Emil. Raul is the Director of Operations at Top Golf here in Greenville, South Carolina, and Raul is going to talk about a lot of cool things in this interview. Number one, the technology that goes behind the scenes with Top Golf and how those golf balls work, how those targets work. If you ever want to know how many golf balls are hit there on a daily basis, well, Raul's going to tell us. How about those nets that are out there in front of the hitting area if you're on the top floors of Top Golf? Has anybody ever fallen in one of those things? Raul's going to answer that question as well. And he also talks about a lot of the great amenities that they offer at Top Golf the food, the beverage. He also talks about the benefits of having an outing or a gathering there at Top Golf, what it takes to put together this massive staff that they have and how they treat their customers and how they make that experience at Top Golf one of the best experiences that you can possibly have when you go there. The second you walk in the door at Top Golf, you're met with some retail space. They have golf shirts, they have hats, they have koozies, they have golf balls, all these cool things that you can purchase. And then you go on over to the eating area to the bar and they have this gigantic TV there to enjoy some really cool sporting events. And Rule's gonna elaborate more on that massive television. It's really cool. And you'll also hear about the great games that you can play when you go to your hitting bay. So you don't want to miss this interview. So without further ado, let's jump right into this interview I had with Raul from Top Golf. <laughs> Raul, thank you so much for being my guest today on the podcast. How are you? I'm doing great, Steve. I appreciate you having me on, man. Ah, pleasure's all mine. So a lot of work goes into running an operation like Topgolf seven days a week. You are the director of operations. Talk to me about your role with the company and how do you juggle all of those balls in the air without dropping them on a day-to-day -day basis? Yeah, Steve, I tell you, it starts with my team. I have a great team uh, that makes it possible. In some ways, you know, we're very, very compartmentalized but we operate as what we like to call one team. So I have an entire team under me that starts with my operations manager. 
Um, he has two department heads, five hospitality managers, and four hourly team leads that funnel under him, and that's just for the front of the house. And then I have a culinary team that has an executive chef, an executive sous chef, and a sous chef. Uh, and then under them, I have four hourly kitchen managers. We also have, I don't think a lot of people don't realize, we have a dedicated facilities team that works 24 hours a day. Uh, shifts go round the clock, three different shifts. So there's always somebody here making sure that the venue's getting ready, whether it's cleaning or it's, uh, you know, getting the balls out of the, out of the targets, things like that. And then I have a director of sales and three sales account managers. So 25 managers total underneath me. So they all have a role to play. And as long as those things are going, my job really is just to kind of create that vision, tell them where we want to head to. And then I try to get out of their way and let them do their job. Wow. That's extremely impressive. You know, food and beverage is, is obviously another element to top golf. I didn't realize you guys had that huge of a staff when it comes to food and beverage. That's outstanding. Yeah, absolutely. You know, one of the things I will tell you is sometimes I take a little offense is people will say, you know, the food surprisingly is pretty good. And I, I like to tell them, listen, we're a scratch kitchen. I got an executive chef, executive sous chef, sous chef, all of our foods from scratch. Um, mm -hmm. So it's just designed to be finger food. So obviously you can golf and eat. So it's not going to be knife and fork things. You're not going to see steaks and things like that on our menu, but you might see steak tacos things that you mm -hmm. can eat, you know, with your hands. So, but yeah, we got a full culinary team. So uh, they do a fantastic job. I tell you, I've uh, experienced the food firsthand. It is outstanding. It's very, very good. So I highly recommend it. If you go to Top Golf, definitely get the food. It's going to make your visit a lot more pleasurable. I can promise you. Appreciate that. So the impression I get when I'm visiting a Top Golf facility is that you guys seem to introduce a lot of people to the game of golf. Now I've seen, people there who seem, who seem to have never played the game at all, yet they're enjoying themselves and they're learning how to swing the club. Do you feel Topgolf helps with the growth of the game? Yeah, absolutely. I would tell you 65% of our guests are non-golfers. You know, they come in here for more of the social aspect. You know, personally, my brother-in-law is not a golfer. He doesn't like to golf. But since we've opened here, he's probably been here 10 times. And in the 22 years I've been married, I've had him on the golf course one time a year. So it, it just changes things. You know, we have people that won't go out and spend that four to five hours on a green grass course, but they'll come here, they'll eat, they'll drink, they'll hit some golf balls. And surprisingly, you know, we get enough people that come in here and say, I'm not a golfer. And once they come in here, they're hooked. So I think it's done a great job for the game of golf. And I think you'll see more people transitioning from this type of format top golf to actually want to learn how to play golf a little bit more. So I think it's been great for the game of golf. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I've, we've had some uh, golfers come out to Willow Creek that have been to top golf and said they actually uh, become even more interested in the game because they had been there, uh, whether it would be with a friend or a relative and uh, actually want to come out and be on the golf course for the first time. So I'm seeing it personally. And I think it's great that you guys are contributing that way to the game. Yeah, absolutely. And as you know, I mean, being a golfer yourself, it's that one shot that keeps you coming back, right? You're like, sure. all right, I'm not playing. Then you hit that beautiful shot and you're like, all right, I'm back. So we get a lot of that. Um, you know, I spend when my wife comes in here and plays with me and she's not a golfer. She enjoys going out, but she's not a real golfer. Uh, uh, she loves it. She has a great time. And, you know, uh, I, I think most people that do come out here, like I said, 65% are non-golfers. So I think it's been great for the game of golf.
Let's talk about the technology implemented at the facility. For those who may not know, every golf ball there at Top Golf has a microchip of sorts in the golf ball. How does that work in relation to the targets? So each ball, as you said, has a microchip in it. And what that does is it corresponds to the particular bay and the individual that's up on the screen when that ball is dispensed. So it knows exactly the bay, the time, and the individual who dispensed that ball. When you get it into the target, we have what's called baffle boxes in there. And so what it does is it runs through there. The baffle box reads the chip in the ball and it tells you who hit it. So when you have multiple balls flying through the air on a popular Friday night, it knows exactly which bay hit that ball. If you were to get a hole in one, we can actually go in there, pull that ball. We have a baffle box in our facilities department and we run it through there and it will tell me Steve hit that ball from bay 305 at 815 at night. Wow. So, so technology is pretty neat. How does it know? So, okay, so if you're taking the golf balls, you've picked them up off the range, you go and you put them into, uh, I guess, the, the bin or dispenser for Bay 305. Does that, is every ball going into Bay 305, does it read it somehow or another and know that it's coming from that particular bay in, in terms of do you assign those golf balls to that bay a particular way when you put them in there? How does it, how does it do that? No, it doesn't read it when it goes into the dispenser. It reads it when it comes out of the dispenser. Gotcha. So there's a, there's a sensor when you wave your club and dispense that ball out, that's when it reads that particular microchip. Ah, okay. Makes sense. Makes sense. Now, you know, speaking of the golf balls, you guys have a ton of them obviously hit on a daily basis. Do you happen to know on average how many golf balls are hit there every day? Yeah, I would say we hit about 60 to 61,000 balls on average a day on a wow. busy day, 85,000. And the most we've ever hit here uh, is about 109,000. Wow, that is a lot of golf balls. <laughs> it is a lot of golf balls. And, <laughs> and we, we wash and sanitize each one of those golf balls every time they're hit. Oh, that, that was going to be another question I had for you is the sanitation aspect. I know it's got to be a little bit tougher right now in, in the times that we're in. It does. We've, we've definitely changed some of the ways that we do business. Um, we understand that it's a, it's a different time. Um, and our commitment to play safely for our guests is that we will sanitize all the bays in between each use. We used to have a four-minute bay turn time where uh, that light went pink. Four minutes later, it's going to turn white. We're going to see another bay. We've extended that to 10 minutes throughout this just so we have enough time to sanitize. And then Every one of those golf balls runs through a process machine we call the wag sack. It goes through there and it gets sanitized. The chip gets read to make sure that it's working properly before it goes back into the bins. Wow. Very impressive. That's a lot of work. It is. Yeah. So you got, you guys have a really cool uh, ball picker out there retrieving the golf balls in the landing area. However, how do the balls get filtered or picked up when they go into those large target areas? Do they go into a holding bin yeah, so what, it, what they do is they go into an area and then we have, you know, you've seen that picker that goes out there. We have a vacuum on that. We plug the vacuum up and it sucks the balls out of there. And then those balls are taken into, run through the machine that I referenced earlier. Um, and then they go into, they get vacuumed up to the second and third floor and we manually fill all 72 bays every night. Do you guys, you said, you mentioned about uh, going around the clock. Do you have like a third shift that comes in and kind of sets all that up for the next day? 
Absolutely. So I've got three shifts that work 24 hours a day in my facilities department. So I've got one that comes in in the morning just to make sure the bays are ready to go. They'll, they'll catch up anything, maybe some bays that work full through the night. And I'll have the one that's typically here throughout the guest experience. And then uh, we have the third shift that comes in and takes care of cleaning the field, emptying the targets, vacuuming all the balls out and getting those back into the hoppers. Very nice. So let's talk about the games a little bit. So I know you guys offer several games for everyone to play at their hitting bay. And for those that are listening that have been, you may experience those games or may be some games you didn't know about. And of course, for those that haven't been, explain those games and the different ways people can enjoy themselves at Top Golf. Yeah, I think most people don't realize we have nine different games. You know, we always talk about Top Golf, which is the most popular game. It's the easiest game. All targets are in play closer to the center the further you hit it. Um, everyone gets points. But if you're an avid golfer and you want to come in, my favorite is top pressure. Top pressure turns the yellow target into a dartboard, nine sections to that dartboard. You hit it in, you get points. You get 30 balls to close out those nine sections. If I close it out, let's say 10, I move into top pressure, the second level. And that one, you hit it in, you get points. If you hit it in the same target, you lose points. So, you know, those are some of the games, depending on your skill level. Um, you know, we've got beginner games, we've got some intermediate games, and then some more advanced games that we do. Um, if you have, say, you're running toward the end of your bay time, you got five minutes left, you could play quick nine, and that's three to the red, three to the yellow, three to the green. Quick game that's a, that you can play um, if you don't have as much time left in your bay time. So Very cool. A lot of choices in there um, for people to do, um, and any one of our guest associates or or our bay, you know, our bay host, which is our version of a server, can help navigate through those games. Earlier, you mentioned your tremendous staff. You guys have a massive staff, and I have to tell you, they're very friendly. They're high energy employees. Uh, they're great. What kind? What criteria do you look for in your employees, and what kind of training do they go through? Listen, we're hiring on personality. Um, our original events prior to COVID was a three-hour hiring event. It was more like a party. You walked in for an interview and you thought you were at a party. Um, nice. And we allow you. We've condensed that down to about an hour and a half. Obviously, social distancing. But when you come in for an interview at Top Golf, you're also going to be able to play golf because we'll put you in a bay and we'll let you play golf, and then we'll come through and interview you. And I'll have anywhere from five to eight people in that interview process. So you get to ask questions. At the end of the day, we hire on personality. You know, it's got to be the right fit for you and the right fit for us. Um, because obviously for us to create that experience that you've hopefully had when you've come in, you got to have people that are passionate about it. So we're always sure. looking for great rock stars. Absolutely. I mean, you got to be a people person, right? You got to get in there and, and be able to interact with people and they're there to have a good time, right? And so the staff is a part of that. I think that's great. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and when you look at our staff, it's very diverse. I mean, we've got kids in high school to guys or girls that have retired that just want to do something, you know, a couple of days a week. So it's pretty neat to see when they're all out there working together. So those that are listening, you've been to Top Golf, you've been on the second or third floor, you've seen that little net that's out there in front of the, the hitting bay. And I have to ask you, how many people have you heard of that have fallen off the edge into that net you guys have installed there to catch people or whatever else they may be there to catch? 
Yeah, I will tell you. I mean, it doesn't happen too often. I haven't. I've been with Top Golf a little bit over two years, and it's never happened. Um, I've never seen it happen. So we have a safety conversation with everybody that comes in, and we talk about the red line and the yellow line, and and we tell them, you know, don't cross that yellow line. It's not a hammock. It's not too comfortable. And most people are are good about <laughs> making sure that that, uh, that they're not. And then our bay hosts are obviously diligent about making sure safety. So. In my two years, I've been to five different venues. I've never seen it happen. Nice. Well, that's good. I've seen some videos out there of people falling in those things. And I'm like, yeah. that has to be a horrible experience, not only for them, but for the staff to get them out of there. Absolutely. Yeah. So we try to make sure that we, uh, that everybody's playing safely. So like I said, I'm lucky to say I haven't seen it happen. Well, kudos to your staff. I mean, they've obviously explained it very well, so it doesn't happen. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I got to thank them for that. Obviously, they're the ones out there daily uh, on that tee line. Sure. Of course, if you've driven by Top Golf, you have seen the massive nets that are around that hitting area or, or landing area. Have you ever seen anybody hit a golf ball over those massive nets bordering that landing area? I haven't. I will tell you, I find some golf balls on the other side of the net, but I haven't seen it. I do know that Cody Bellinger and uh, Mike Trout have done it in two of our other venues. So it's definitely yeah. happened. Um, and I know I see some balls on the other side of the net, but I haven't seen that happen here or the two, three other venues that I've been at. But yeah, it I mean, does happen from time to time. Out of curiosity, I mean, how far does that drive need to be in order to launch it out of that net i'm thinking 400 plus uh probably i mean the nets go up uh quite a ways and it's 205 yeah. in our particular venue to that trench target that we call mm -hmm. um so you're looking about 215 to the end net and then our balls are designed um they don't fly as far as a traditional ball uh, there's less dimples in it so everything is designed to make sure that those balls don't leave the nets but Obviously, a guy like Mike Trout or a guy like Cody Bellinger has the strength to do it. We've seen him go out. Sure. Yeah, there, there's actually something out there on YouTube, I think, about uh, – I think it was Mike Trout. Yeah, I saw that. Very impressive. And he absolutely killed it. I mean, yeah. it, it, it seemed like it went forever. <laughs> absolutely. So you guys are also a great venue for events and corporate outings. What do you offer people or companies who may be interested in coming in there and, and, and doing this? Here's one thing that I think a lot of people don't know. We can host a thousand person event. And like I said, I don't think a lot of people know that we can do anything from a full venue buyout, which we did last year with the BMW program here to a two bay event. We have meeting spaces available. We can offer different menu packages. If you're 37 or more in your group, we can offer you buffets. There's some different venues. So those the items that we serve on the buffets aren't necessarily items that we serve on our, on our daily tea line menu, as we call it. So there's some def, there's some options there as well. Um, but I don't think a lot of people realize that we have dedicated event space. If you wanted to have event space and then have some bays. So a lot of people come in and rent out the space and then rent out four or five bays in front of it. And like I said, we had a BMW in here for that program and uh, they, they had the whole venue. So they had the outdoor spaces. I have three different outdoor spaces, terrace on third floor, one on second, and then an outdoor, we call a beer garden on first floor. So uh, we can host up to a thousand. Very nice. Question to, for you on that. If, if an event comes in there and, you've, and they've rented out the entire facility, or maybe they've just rented out one of the floors, can the golfers that 
each bay compete against each other? Yeah, we do tournaments as well. So that's a great question. We have some tournaments. Uh, we'll have in an event like that, if it's a full floor buyout, we'll have our golf pro here um, at that event as well to help people with tips and if they have questions about golf. And then we'll run a tournament as well. So they can all compete against each other, whether it's by floor or the whole venue itself. We can execute that. That's awesome. Yeah, we'll do some uh, – there's some team building things that we did uh, prior to COVID, um, and I'm sure those will come back, but there's some team building events. If you wanted to take your group out and just do something to get them to bond, we have some things, some options for that as well. We can do some relay races that involve golf, all those types of things we can do. That sounds great. So for those that are listening that uh, maybe wants to go visit Top Golf for the first time, obviously you can walk up and, and start a game. Uh, can they make reservations before they come? Yeah. Oh yeah, we have uh, we have a number of free reservations that we offer, and then we offer some some of our popular times. There's some charges, so for the most part, I would say Tuesday night is an area where there's a charge. Um, we also have half price Tuesday, so it's a popular day for us because all our golf is half price all day. On Friday evenings, um, there's some charges for reservations, and then Saturday most of the day there's some charges. Um, but for the most part, probably 70% of the time, the reservations are free. Uh, and we offer about four reservations every 15 minutes. So they book up quickly, usually a week in advance. Well, I'll tell you something. If you go in there and you have to wait, you guys have a massive television in the lobby area. That thing is about two stories high. Out of curiosity, how big is that thing? Well, to your point, it's two stories high. It divides up into eight different screens down to one screen, depending on what it is that you want to watch. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to say it's 30 feet up. Mm -hmm. um, so, but it, it's a monster. It is. And I was watching a golf tournament on there one day and I was actually, actually standing on the second floor watching it. It was a perfect view of that golf tournament. So if you have not been there and experienced this TV, you're in for a treat. It's really impressive. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely state-of-the-art. Um, obviously, it's a centerpiece when you walk into the venue right there to the right, um, and then it backdrops the bar area. So it, it's pretty impressive to see. And to your point, that second floor is a beautiful view if you wanted to watch a game. We had a couple of watch parties uh, last year for Clemson. So uh, we'll do those as well. Roel, Thank you so much for your time today. This has been an outstanding interview with you, and I'm even more excited about Top Golf, and I know our listeners will be as well. If you want more information about Top Golf, go to their websites, topgolf.com. Real easy, topgolf.com. You can see pricing and other helpful information on that website. And, Roel, can they make a reservation on the website? Yeah, if you go to topgolf.com reservations, it'll put you into a third party that we use seven rooms where you can make those reservations. It'll walk you through all that. And like I said, I would book a week in advance um, and they book pretty quick. It sounds very easy and very convenient. That's great. Roel, yeah, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. I look forward to seeing you out there. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. I appreciate it. Ladies and gentlemen, that is a wrap on episode number eight. Thank you so very much for taking time out of your busy schedule to listen to this episode. Remember, episode nine will drop next month, the month of October. Really excited about having my guest Dylan Pruitt on, concluding the rules of golf in that five-part series. And I'll also be talking about more of those common mistakes 
that happen on the golf course. So make sure you don't miss episode nine. I hope you walk away from episode eight a little more comfortable with the rules of golf and how they pertain to those general areas, the fairways and the rough, and also those common mistakes I mentioned. If you're guilty of making those common mistakes, hopefully you won't do those anymore. Or if you know someone that is guilty of them, remember, refer them to this podcast, and hopefully they won't do them anymore either. And also, I hope you really enjoyed the interview I had with Raul, the director of operations at Top Golf, and that when you walk into a Top Golf facility, then maybe you'll be a little more appreciative of all that hard work that goes on behind the scenes to produce such a fantastic product for you at Top Golf. Remember to visit us at Willow Creek Golf Club. Our website's willow-creekgolf.com. If you come by, remember to stop and say hello to me. I'd love to see you. And if you're interested in those golf lessons, look me up on my website. It's goforthgolfinstruction.com. And we'll get those golf lessons set up for you. Until next time, I hope you hit more greens and regulation. I hope you have less putts. And most of all, I hope you have fun on the golf course. And remember, together, let's go forth to a better golf game. You've been listening to the Go Forth and Golf Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to this podcast wherever you're listening to receive alerts on new episodes. For more information, please follow us on social media at Go Forth Golf Instruction or visit our website at goforthgolfinstruction.com. Remember, together, let's go forth to a better golf game. <laughs>